My prepared message is probably going to feel a little bit different today. I realized that as I was uh, listening and preparing inwardly and starting to prepare my notes, I kind of would get started and I'd stop. I would get started and I would stop. And I don't know if it was really not knowing what direction to go. Maybe it was more that there was just a lot that I felt like I wanted to share, I uh, felt like that I wanted to offer, that I wasn't sure how to just kind of put it all into one short space that we have on this video. Um, I had notes, I had uh, ideas written down and went back two or three times, uh, even last night, and, um, and, and basically just kind of went a different direction. And so what I want to offer, uh, offer you now is uh, just, for lack of a better term, just some thoughts, uh, uh, some personal thoughts that I want to share with you kind of as we transition from the end of the year into this new year, which we're already in. Um, and some of these are just uh, thoughts and feelings and experiences that I have been reflecting on as we came to the end of this year. I'm going to read two passages uh, for this. And the first one is out of Philippians chapter 1. It's uh, the very uh, beginning of uh, this chapter, Paul's letter to, uh, to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 3 through 6. And Paul writes this. I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers, and I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you have been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed it until now. And I'm sure about this, the one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. Now, the reason I chose that passage is this has always been a passage that I go to when I reflect upon my gratitude for uh, all of you, my gratitude for Deep River Friends Meeting, uh, my gratitude for what Paul calls um, your partnership in the ministry of the gospel, something I feel like we're all in this together. And so I wanted to begin by taking a, a few moments to just express um, my gratitude to all of you um, in three particular areas uh, for, over, uh, for uh, how you have shown up over these past nine to ten months. And I was thinking back to March of 2020 when uh, the pandemic probably started officially before then, but then when we started to really change how we uh, were gathering together, and it felt like that from then on um, we were uh, kind of in crisis mode. And um, I remember just thinking to myself, um, really wasn't sure how we were going to do this. I don't think anybody was sure how they were going to do it. But over the last nine or ten months, and what has been a very hard, and I would say more than a hard, it's been a brutal year. People say that it's been a hard year. I think we just have to be honest. It's been a brutal year. It's been an exhausting year. It's been a very weary year. And for some of you, um, brutal, exhausting, and hard doesn't even begin to probably uh, name how it's been for you. Um, so as, as I thought about um, our journey over the past few months, uh, I want to just offer three areas of gratitude. The first is gratitude for your engagement. And what I mean by engagement is that you all have been um, so gracious to adapt and engage um, as we have offered different ways of worshiping, as we have offered different ways of holding meetings as we have offered different ways of having our business meetings, um, as we have offered different ways of providing connection uh, with one another. 
you have all stayed engaged. And some of you have have engaged uh, more than others, and some have engaged less. But we've all, you all, have engaged in ways that have been helpful for you and that have worked for you. And um, and I appreciate that, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful for your engagement, for hanging in there and adapting and being creative and willing to experiment and willing to just sort of say, well, we don't know if this is going to work, but let's try it. Let's see what we can do uh, so we can continue to journey together as a faith community. So that's my first gratitude, gratitude for your engagement. And my second one is gratitude for your endurance. And I guess the reason I say endurance is that's the best word I can come up with to describe just how you all have hung in there. Um, I think back in March, we were thinking, okay, well, we'll be back uh, in some sort of normal way in the summer. And then I think when we thought about, well, after the summer, we'll be back in some normal way, maybe early fall. Well, then as we went into early fall, then we said, well, maybe in December. And here we are past December, probably uh, one of the more um, special seasons that we celebrate here at Deep River. And each step of the way, as we changed, as we pivoted, as one might say, as we went in a different direction, or we just kept on doing what we were doing, um, you all have continued to offer your perseverance and your endurance and, and just say, we're going to hang in there with you. And, and my gratitude for that is so deep. Uh, I am so grateful uh, for your endurance, for your perseverance, and again, just for uh, your hanging in there. And as we go into this new year, um, we, 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 we move into it slowly. We move into it with a sense of seeking God's wisdom and direction. Um, but I, I trust your engagement. I trust your endurance. And, and that helps me. And I know it helps those who lead ministering council and others here in the meeting just to keep moving forward and to keep exploring all the possibilities. And I guess the last uh, in, in uh, gratitude I would offer, and I'm sure there's much more, but the last one I would offer is gratitude for your encouragement. Um, you have all been so encouraging um, to, to each other here in the meeting, um, reaching out to one another, those who, <coughs> excuse me, those who you know who you haven't seen in a while, those who have been struggling, uh, those who you have missed seeing them, uh, you have been encouraging to one another. Uh, you have been encouraging uh, to the staff uh, for your support and your affirmation. And I have felt your encouragement as well, uh, directly, uh, cards, emails, uh, texts. Um, I remember uh, back in March when, when the first Sunday that we didn't meet, um, we, uh, we were out of, uh, not in the meeting room here because uh, we decided that just wasn't safe. And I came in here and I set up my computer and started to uh, do a live stream of the service. And Mark was in here. And I think because every church in, in the United States was trying to live stream on Facebook, uh, we just couldn't do it. We just couldn't pull it off. And uh, we had nothing to offer on that Sunday. And I remember just sitting in here. Uh, Mark had already left. And I sat in here on, on the first pew. And honestly, I just sat down and I felt very discouraged. Um, and I may, have even, um, may have even shed a few tears because I was just so discouraged and just so uncertain. How are we going to pull this off? How is this going to happen? How are we going to do this? Um, but there was something within me, which uh, I attribute to two things. Number one, uh, the presence of God's Spirit. And number two, my trust in all of you to know that you could do this. Uh, you really, really could do this, and we could do this. And it just felt so encouraging. And um, that trust has been validated so much over these last uh, nine to ten months. So 
I just want to thank you for all these things, your engagement, uh, gratitude for your endurance, gratitude for your encouragement. Just thank you so much for all of that. And that that's really what, in part, I wanted to say in this prepared message, to take time in this video uh, to do that before we move deeper into uh, 2021 because um, the steps continue to be a little bit uncertain. Uh, the steps continue to involve experimentation and exploration. And, uh, and I pray that we will continue to offer this engagement, this endurance, and this encouragement um, to one another. Now that was a pretty, uh, pretty convenient three-point sermon, wouldn't you think? Um, so what I want to do is I want to go to a second passage out of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. One of the things that I have committed myself to do is to use passages from uh, the lectionary each Sunday for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, that it disciplines me to stay focused on passages that we can all wrestle with, that I can wrestle with, uh, and that we can wrestle with as a faith community. Uh, that way I'm not gravitating maybe toward passages that uh, may be my favorites. I'm not gravitating toward passages uh, that I may lean towards in terms of just my own biases or my own agenda, but that we are wrestling together with a passage or passages of Scripture that are given to us, and then we discern and reflect upon what it means for our life together. So that's one of the reasons that, that I have been doing it. The second reason that I've committed to it um, is simply because I think one of the things that is so important for the formation of a faith community, for the formation of our lives, is that of uh, the narrative, the scriptural narrative. Um, you heard me say this a few months ago when we were having outdoor worship. One of the themes that I kept saying is that um, there are so many narratives around us right now that want our attention, number one, but they want our allegiance as well. They want our loyalty. To put it very frankly, they want our heart and they want our soul. And so I think it's very important that we pay attention to the narratives that shape us and the narratives that form us. And one of the narratives that I think is so important for a faith community to be shaped by is the scriptural narrative. What does it speak to us? How does it guide us? How does it inform our life? Uh, what does it tell us about how to be uh, in the world? And so I'm going to read out of uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, which is one of the scriptures assigned for today. Um, and this is Paul's letter to the uh, church in Ephesus. Bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing that comes from heaven. God chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless in God's presence before the creation of the world. And God destined us to be his adopted children through Jesus Christ because of his love. And this was according to his goodwill and plan, and to honor his glorious grace that he has given to us freely through the Son whom he loves. We have been ransomed through his Son's blood, and we have forgiveness for our failures based on his overflowing grace, which he poured over us with wisdom and understanding. God revealed his hidden design to us, which is according to his goodwill, and the plan that he intended to accomplish through his son. And this is what God planned for the climax of all times, to bring all things together in Christ, the things in heaven along with the things on earth. And we have also received an inheritance in Christ. We were destined by the plan of God, who accomplishes everything according to his design. 
we are called to be an honor to God's glory because we were the first to hope in Christ. And you too heard the word of truth in Christ, which is the good news of your salvation. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit because you believed in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the down payment on our inheritance, which is applied toward our redemption as God's own people, resulting in the honor of God's glory. Now, there's a lot there, admittedly. Um, it's a very poetic um, uh, scriptural text as Paul opens up his letter uh, to the Ephesians. In fact, it really is kind of in the form of a blessing. Uh, it's, it's almost something that is written to use in a worship service as a blessing. It kind of covers A to Z in, in Paul's understanding of what God is up to in the world, God's intent, God's plan, God's design, and what that means for you and I and what that means for faith communities. Now, Paul uh, as um, some scholars think, wrote this uh, letter later in his ministry. Um, he was really trying to sort of just give his own sense of the big picture to these churches that he had started, these churches that he had planted, and these churches that he had nurtured and that he attended. So it's really Paul's big picture of what God is up to and how God is at work and how we can be part of what God is up to and how God is at work. So when I thought about this idea that it is actually a blessing um, that Paul offered to the church at Ephesus, I thought, so what if I just simply rework the words a little bit, and not change the idea, not change the content, not change Paul's intent, but just rework the words just a little bit as a form of blessing to myself, as a form of blessing to you, uh, as a form of blessing to us as Deep River Friends Meeting. And, um, and that's just simply what I, what I want to offer the next few moments. It's just seven statements in the form of a blessing that I hear out of this passage um, that I want to offer you and give us and you and myself something to reflect upon. First is this. May we ground our identity and our value and our dignity in the reality of God's love for us. Instead of the blessing of people's approval and external expectations of success and achievement. In other words, may who I am, may how I understand myself, may our identity, may your identity be grounded simply in the reality of God's love and God's blessing upon our life. Number two, may we realize that God has chosen you and I to be God's light and presence in a world that is often devoid of light and a gracious healing presence. And this gracious and healing presence filled with light will look like simple acts of goodwill. Paul uses that uh, word goodwill in the passage that I read. And, and one of my hopes and one of my prayers uh, for this year is how can we become people of goodwill towards one another? How can we become people of goodwill towards the world? How can we become people of goodwill in all that we do to somehow lift up uh, the dialogue, lift up the conversation, lift up the discourse in our communities and our country to a level of goodwill? Number three, may we realize God's final destination for us is and always will be love. We are destined to be loved forever by God. Whatever mistakes, and failures we incur in life, our final destination is love. 
And as the scripture says uh, in 1 John, simply God is love. God's nature is love. God's final destiny, uh, Paul's words for us, is love. God's final destination always will, will be love. We are destined to be loved by God uh, through eternity and beyond uh, our time here on earth. Number four, may we accept that our failures are forgiven, full stop. Our future failures will be forgiven, full stop. God's grace overflows into the emptiness of our failures and fills us with hope and redemption, full stop. Now, I know I said full stop, but I just simply want to underscore this reality that, as Paul writes, our failures are forgiven. And maybe some of the reasons we don't experiment enough or we don't explore enough or we don't ask questions or we don't write new chapters in our life, as Brene Brown says, is because we're always focusing on the last chapter, or the failure chapter, the mistake chapter, and we can't let go of that. So one of the blessings that I want to offer is this, that we accept that our failures are forgiven. They do not mark us. They do not identify us. They are not us. Our future failures will be forgiven. All of this, full stop. Or the fifth one. May we joyfully participate in God's intention to bring healing and wholeness to all of creation through Christ and accept God's invitation to be part of this intention. Living out God's plan in our lives is allowing our actions each day to contribute to God's healing intention through acts of reconciliation, speaking words that build up and don't tear down, loving our neighbor, recognizing the dignity of all, upholding the witness of integrity and truth, and seeking to do justice, love, and mercy, and walk humbly with God. And all of this, all of this goes back towards this intention that Paul describes to bring everything in, uh, everything in unity under Christ and in Christ uh, with the intention of bringing wholeness and healing to all of creation. Um, that is the big picture that Paul seems to be indicating. And we add to that, and we are partners in that, and we are co-creators with God when we engage in these acts of reconciliation. We speak words that build up. We love our neighbor. We recognize the dignity of all. We uphold the witness of integrity and truth, and we do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly with God. All we have to do is look at the opposite of each of those and realize that that's what contributes to the tear in creation. That's what contributes to the divisions, that's what contributes to the brokenness. So how can we participate in God's intention? And may we joyfully do that. Number six, may we see our own human vocation as one to, as, as one to live as those who live for God's glory. And the glory of God, as one church father said years and years and years ago, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The language Paul uses in this scripture text is that we are invited to live for God's glory. And I think the very bottom line of that is we're not invited to live for our own glory. We're not invited to live for the glory of our own agenda. We're not even invited to live for the glory of maybe our own political agenda, our own national agenda, um, our own tribe agenda, whatever may, that may be. We are designed and invited to live for God's glory, God's intentions, and God's purposes here on earth. And the glory of God is a human being fully alive, alive with the aliveness of Christ. Howard Thurman, um, the African-American writer and uh, author, has passed away. 
uh, said these words, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive, for what the world needs are more people who are alive. What does it look like for you and I to be alive? What does it look like for this aliveness to be present in the world, to be alive with the love of God, of the glory of God, the presence of God, the intentions of God, the purposes of God? And finally, may we know God's Spirit goes with us through all of life as God in the here and now to inspire us, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to direct, to correct, to counsel, and to be with us through all that we face and all that we are presently facing. May God be with us in everything that we go through and everything that we will go through. And this passage that I read from Ephesians, I think, promises us that the Spirit goes through us, goes with us through all of that. And the Spirit is really God in the here and now. And so God is with us. We won't be afraid. God walks with us. We will not be afraid. God moves with us and leads us. We will not be discouraged. We will not be afraid. God is with us in the here and the now. I want to read, uh, just in closing, these words from um, this passage. Uh, just a quote from an author named Timothy Gombas, who writes about uh, this letter to the Ephesians. And here's what he has to say about salvation, because I think really this, this scripture text is all about uh, what is what, about salvation for for the world, salvation for our own lives, and what it looks like to live these lives of wholeness. Here's what he writes. Salvation involves being caught up into the story of the restoration of human flourishing. Salvation does not merely involve a new reality deep down in my heart, but involves the restoration of the entire creature. We are renewed people, and this involves a restored purpose and a renewed existence. Salvation then involves this renewal of purpose from being curved in on ourselves and bent over staring at our own hearts, focused on our own bitterness and our pain. God has now stood us up straight so that we now gaze into the faces of others and gaze at the goodness and grace of God. And then he closes with this. Paul is saying that salvation involves a restoration of humanity to being the image of God as we were meant to be. It is a return to the creation condition. We no longer live with reference to ourselves, which is no glory at all. We no longer live with reference to an earthly identity, directing attention to this or that corporation or national identity. As we stand up straight and we relate fruitfully with one another, we truly image the one true God, directing praise and glory to God because we are living again according to that design. I would encourage, invite you to read Ephesians 1, 3 to 4, uh, verses 3 to 14 um, at some point this week, um, to listen to it, to see how it speaks to you, to see uh, what intentions and, and invitations you hear from that passage as, uh, as it speaks to bless us as we are also invited, um, I think, to be a blessing in this world.